Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. But anyway, I'm going to talk to you this morning. I've got several things to do kind of all together. I'm going to talk to you about the ministry of the prophet in a specific realm over here, about the anointing I have on my life for healing. Now, I said an anointing for healing. Any believer could stand on Mark 16, lay hands on the sick, and they can recover. There's no special anointing to do that. And the body of Christ as a whole, if you're a believer, you have an anointing of some measure. Some are greater, some are smaller, you know, the anointing. But I have a special anointing for healing. It's an endowment God gave me. I didn't ask him for it. I didn't ask him for any of this. I was just going to hell and was getting ready to die. I was a drug dealer and a drug addict, and I realized nothing's working for me. I need help. I need help quick. (laughs) Anyway, I thought I liked this girl at the time, and she couldn't go anywhere with me because her parents knew I was a drug dealer. And so I could go to church with her. I went to a youth meeting, and I got saved in that youth meeting. And, uh, of course, she, she gave me a Bible the next week and said, get out of my life. That's fine, because I wasn't too sanctified. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to read some prophecies in just a minute about, to me, these are the prophecies that God has given me over 45 years. My wife and I just finished uh, 40, 45 years of ministry together last August, and then she passed away at the end of September. But that's quite a score for us, for her and I both in full-time ministry. We never did anything else but just minister to people, and we were in churches, and the church I have now, I raised up. God helped me. He didn't do it without me, so I'm not going to give him all the credit. Now, people get silly when you talk about stuff like that. Well, what about God? Well, yeah, he's the one that helped me do it. What's the matter with you? But he didn't do it without me. If he did it without me, it wouldn't be my church. Well, it's my son's church now because he had an anointing to pastor, and God was giving me a call to prophet, be a prophet. And uh, it took so long. I mean, you know, God was patient with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I was insecure. I know none of you would admit that, but I'm sure you have some insecurities. We just don't, we're not trying to find it today, by the way. You don't have to write it out and put it in the offering plate. But uh, that's just true of humanity. So I want to talk to you. Go to your Bibles to Romans 11. Let me get a drink here. kind of dry for some reason. Romans 11. I'm not going to wear you out, but I am going to do some teaching as a prophet, not a teacher. And so that anointing on me is a little stronger than a teacher. It's not, I'm not better than anybody. I'm just unique. Prophets are strange. They, they sometimes do things that are different. They act differently. And some people just take that as we're nuts. Well, we're not. We're not nuts. I'm not a nut. I've been in this a long time. For, I've been saved 50 years last December. This is March, right? Just a couple months back, 50 years since I've been saved. And 40, 45 of those, and now for, going into the 46th year, uh, has been in full-time ministry. So I've, my whole life's been helping people in the church helping people that weren't church to be church, to get saved, to get healed, to get delivered. I've been all over the world, not every country, but I've been around a little bit. I went to Siberia three times, and one of those times I gave my testimony about being a drug addict and how I got free, and I said, if you're here today, there was 1,300 people there. I said, if you're here today and you're a current addict, you shot up, snorted up, or did something this morning before you came to this meeting, come up here. I'm going to cast the devil out of you. 37 men and women came out of that church. <clears throat> and they just flopped like you Americans sometimes. And anointing hits them, just fall on the floor and get delivered. That's what we were trying to do, get them delivered, help them. So I'm talking to you today in a general way about the prophet's ministry. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Then I'm going to drop into this teaching more about the healing anointing in my life because I'm going to minister to you if you need help today. You know, it could be healing, could be deliverance. I don't know, you may have something else I'm not saying yet. I may say it in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know this lady. She sent me an email. I don't even know where she, I, she said she was in Paducah, Kentucky with Dr. Cody. And I was preaching for him. I don't know when that was, a few months back. And she said, you said something from the front. And it dawned on me. She said, you know, I was... 
I'm an adult lady, female. I'm 27 now, I think she said. I got saved early. My father ridiculed me, made fun of me about my commitment to Jesus and going to church. He's just ruthless. He just did me a number. And then he began to do things to me that I won't mention. You get to you know what I'm saying. Or daddy. I, I can't believe daddies that do stuff like that. I've got an answer, but I'm not going to tell you verbally because you couldn't take it. But anyway. Uh, anyway, I just, uh, she said, you said you're my... Are you tired of running around with all that torment in your head? I didn't mention being molested. I just said, are you tired of running around with all the torment in your head all the time? And it's weighing you down. And she said, that spoke right to me. And she said, you know, when I could get away from home, I got away from home. But she said, because my dad had done what he did and broke down my mind and my emotions, all I wanted was men and alcohol. That was her own words. I didn't make that up. It's on paper. I don't have it with me. Uh... I'll probably print it with permission in my new book, not the new one on healing, but the next, next one that's coming is going to be on healing. And she said, when you touch me, you just touch me on the head. I know you don't know me. said, everything left. All that heaviness, all that torment. And she said, you know, I'd left home when I was 18 or something. Then I went out in the world. I already told you she wanted men and she wanted alcohol. And she said, I just came to a place where I was just almost crazy because of the way I'm living because I'd made a commitment when I was a young girl, but now I'm just wild as whatever. And she said, I repented and came back to God, but still I had that torment on my brain all the time, my mind. I couldn't get rid of those images. I couldn't get rid of that feeling of being unclean. And, and she didn't even promote it. You know, it was forced on her. And so she said, but when you touched me, all that dissipated, and she wrote me after the fact, I've been free ever since you ministered to me. I don't even, she put her name on there. I don't remember what it was. It's not important now. And she sent a little a gift to me. I think she sent Donna, my secretary, said she sent a check for $20. And, you know, it's precious, precious from people. Because I don't know what everybody's going through in the natural. I may say something that clicks with somebody, and then they get in the line, then they get what they need. Like Pastor Randy said, you have to have faith too. It's not just about what I have. I've been some places I couldn't get them anything. They were so stubborn. I mean, they really were. Some churches I won't go back to anymore. I, I, one of them was pastored by a son of mine, one of my sons, my spiritual son. I said, no, I'm not coming back. Wouldn't you do that for me? I came for you three times, and the two, last two times out of, I didn't want to come, but you begged me to come, and since I love you, I came back. But your people are just relentlessly in religion. They don't listen to me. They don't receive well. They're stubborn. What's the point? I got, I got places to go people love me. People will receive from me. I'm not being mean. If you were me, you'd know what I'm saying, but you're not. So you don't maybe understand that, but I'm right. Just say it. He's right. Okay, I take it. Yeah. Anyway, I better get in the word with here. Here, Romans 11. I'm checking that clock just right with me. Okay, so I know I'm, I'm really starting right now. I've just been talking. <laughs> Romans 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. I want you to notice that. Now, he says he's an apostle, but he was also a prophet. But that's the highest office. I'm sure that's why he said that. I'm magnifying my office as an apostle. But I'm talking to you today. Stay with me. I don't care if they beat each other up over here. Just stay with me. If two ladies get in a fight and pulling hair, just ignore them and keep listening. I magnify my office, so that's what I'm going to do with you today. I'm going to magnify my No, let's still be careful. If you get this, this will make the sermon a lot better. I'm not magnifying me. I'm a man that was put into an office. I didn't ask for it. Actually, I didn't want it. I fought it at first because I realized how people treat. I, realized, I was pastor for, you know, 35 years. Uh, I realized how people teach, treat prophets. A lot of times very little respect, and the pastors too. But at the, at the prophet level, it was just different for me, and I had to learn to walk in it. Now I'm getting more adjusted in my anointing, and I'm talking about it more freely because most churches, just typically, maybe nobody's ever taught you on the ministry of the prophet. I don't know. I mean, Pastor Randy's knowledgeable. He could teach someone to some level, but he's a pastor. He's not a prophet. So there's some limitations where he's going to get to a point. But as a prophet, I could take, he could do that, and I could maybe bring it out to here because this is where I walk now. And have walked in and out of it for many, many years. But anyway, so 
So I'm going to magnify my office. I'm not magnifying me. Now get that straight in your head, because you would do. I'm not arrogant, and I'm not proud. But the humble person, the Bible says in James, will receive the word. So when God said, I'm calling you the prophet, and then he said to me just a while back, maybe seven years ago, if you keep doing what you're doing right now, trying to travel and pastor, you're going to be dead in two years. Your son, I want you to put your son in right now. I said, well, he's awful young. He said, I know, and I'll catch him up. But if you don't stop this, you're coming home in two years. You're going to be in heaven with me. And I said, okay. So I just got my son up. He was already called to be a pastor. I was just trying to get more training in him. But he's done wonderfully. I said him before the church. I said, this is your new pastor. Don't come to me anymore with pastoral questions. If you do, I'm going to point to him. Just in fairness to me, I'm not going to run to the hospital and pray for everybody anymore. That's him or whoever he sends. You know, there are some exceptions to that, but typically that's not what I do. I'm not called to be a pastor. And there's plenty of good people, spiritual people. They're not prophets, but they're spiritual. They could pray for somebody in the hospital or go visit or do whatever. I don't know if you like me or not. I don't really care right now, but I'd like you to act like you're getting this. Like you're glad I'm here. Okay, so I'm going to magnify my office. Now, <clears throat> in that office, let, let, now, Pastor Randy did allude to it in Matthew 10, and he says, if you receive a prophet, let me, I was going to, it's in my notes, I had that too. <clears throat> if you receive the prophet as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now, I'm going to tell you what that is, but I want to say this. He told, talked about, uh, you know, the prophet, the, the disciple, and something else there. So, and God said to me in that passage, Matthew 10, 40 through 42, those three people were all the same person, the Lord said to me. They're just received differently. So if you receive me as a prophet, you could receive of whatever's in my mantle or in my anointing as a prophet. But if you don't, you just receive me, just another preacher up here, then you just get another preacher's anointing. It's not the prophet. And you're the one that determines that, not me. I, you know, I don't care if you love me, but you need, if you don't respect my anointing, I can't help you. <laughs> Nothing's going to come out when I pray for you. I mean, I would give it and release it, but you don't like me, so you, you're, you're resisting it. Just talking to you. I know you're not resisting anything right now. But I'm not sure about it until the end of the service, so just stay with me. I always said this, you never will know what's in a sheep as a pastor until you have to confront them. Now, you shouldn't have done that, and this is why. One, two, three. You get it? Well, I'm, I'm leaving this church. I don't like the way you talk to me. Well, I, I guess you got to go. But I'm trying to help you. You know, it'd be like a bridge is out, and I'm standing here with flares and stuff. Don't go. Don't go. The bridge is out. You're going to get in the river. Quit it. Stop it. And then it goes zoom. Yeah. Or the world under the window and cuts me out, and then goes zoom. Yeah. And I'm trying to save their life. <laughs> All the ministry gifts are like guardrails in your life. Okay, just realize that. But when you do bring correction, so anyway, back to Matthew 10. There's three different levels, so whatever level you could put the person in, like Pastor Randy, Pastor Misty, they're your pastor. They have certain gifts in them that perhaps I don't have. There might be some similarity somewhere, but that doesn't mean we're clones of each other and somebody has a different kind of anointing. But if you receive them in the highest level, then you receive the ministry of the pastor. And that's why I wrote the book, it's on my table, Spiritual Fathers or Spiritual Failures. That's really to all the sheep in the world, if they would read that. And that's the book most people got mad at me about because it tells you how to grow up and it tells you how to judge yourself whether you're just an attender at church or whether you're really a son and daughter to this couple in this fellowship. You're not a son and daughter to me. They are, but you're not. You know what I mean? I don't say that derogatory. I'm just saying that's the way the system works. You can try to believe it in that way, but it isn't going to do you any good. It's like running into that wall without a helmet. You're going to have knots all over you pretty soon. All right. So <clears throat> the reward of the prophet is your heart's desire. See, I think Misty was talking about <clears throat> the lady built the condo and she didn't have a child. She didn't have any children. And she was way past the age of that, <laughs> you know. I already threw menopause the whole nine yards, but anyway, God said, the prophet said, you'll have a child by this time next year, nine months would be, it's the time of life, nine months, and so she had that child, and then the child died later, and she went back to the man of God and said, you promised, you. so he went and raised him from the dead. 
So we're just seeing it's your heart's desire. And like she said, she kind of she kind of launched on the prophet, don't be playing with me, man of God. In other words, don't tease me, I'm going to have a child, and it ain't going to happen because I'm going to come back and be mad about you. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the prophet's reward is your heart's desire. When you have a shepherd, like in my book, Spiritual Fathers, he's a spiritual father, and she's the mother to this congregation. I'm a spiritual father to them because they asked me to be, not because I told them they had to be. There's a lot of churches I go to, people are, uh, I have a good relationship with them, as good as if they were a son and daughter, but they're not. We never did, we had that, or they related to somebody else that's overseas them. But they like me, they like my ministry, they like my anointing, and we have a great relationship. I'm not trying to gather people. And I think you can tell I'm not trying to be popular. <laughs> I'm just the real deal. Either you like me or you don't. Either way, it doesn't make any difference to me. I like, I'm not crazy. I just know everybody's not going to like me. I've already settled that. I, there's things in my life I settled 30 years ago in the ministry because I realized I'm not going to make it if I don't settle this. I'm going to beat somebody up. I'm going to take them out of the dumpster and beat the hell out of them because they had hell in them. No, I'm not cussing. I'm just talking. Anyway, okay. i got to move on. You're not, I think I'm getting too heavy for you here. I want to read you some of these prophecies. These prophecies, the Lord told me, is a blueprint for my life. So I'm going to read the ones that I decided to read to you today. I've only really been preaching about six minutes. Seems like a lifetime, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this was in Muncie, Indiana, 1996. Dr. Dufresne gave this prophecy. You've experienced the ministry of a teacher for many years, but now you're moving into that prophetic realm prophetic, and you're moving into the supernatural realm. Then he said, I want you to stick your hands out in the fire. God's going to come on your right hand in the name of Jesus. And he slapped my hand. You'll have more success in the area of bones being healed and be bold about it. I've had all kinds of people healed of bone problems, spine problems, neck problems, joint problems, arthritis, any itis, bursitis, whatever. Doesn't matter the name. If it's in your bones, this anointing in my right hand will straighten that out. If you receive... Now let me move on. This was in, uh, that first one was in 96. This was in 2002 in Siberia, Russia. These are the men, I was with Dr. Dufresne in the back room, and this is what he said. There was five, other, five of us there in him. These are the men I'll send all over the world with special anointings. Special anointings, special works of God, special acts of God will flow through their ministries. These are surely the last days. Rise up and be strong. Be healthy. Then he said, uh, who are these men? When they go into cities and, ch and churches, rise up right away, right away. I'll tell you who these men are. These are the men of the last days that are anointed by the power of God to do the acts of God, who yield themselves to the acts of God. Signs, miracles, healings. Then he said, women, there will be. Who are these women? Like tonight, we're going to ordain Misty. Who are these women? Let me find where I'm at. Who are these women that God is raising up in these days? My, my, my. Who are these men? They're the men that glory to God. These are the men that walk in the power of the acts of God and the healings of God. And they'll move across the land, this generation. There will be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. A lot of times now, just about every meeting, if I have opportunity or feel led to, I will ask anybody 40 and younger to come let me minister to them. If you're going to be committed to do what God told you to do. I'm in an area of, I'm 72 now, if you want to know that. Check me out. I don't feel 72. I feel a lot better than when I was 38. I know that. Uh, but I pray for the younger because I'm in a, an age time now. Dr. Summerall said the first zero to 30 is intake years. 30 to 60 is learning that what you took in to be more skillful with. 60 to 90 is impartation to the next generation that's coming up. And the Lord specifically told me, not, not somebody else, but he talked to me. I want to give you a portion of that younger generation as you get older, Michael, to train them, mentor them, impart to them, and help them get up into the supernatural like you are, things like that. I'm moving ahead. Uh, in October 2004 in Kuwait, Kuwait's way over there. We were at war with Iraq right then. It's real close to there. As you walk in the footsteps of the prophet, you begin to, this is what doctor said to me, Dr. Dufresne, as you walk in the footsteps of the prophet, you begin to make your own footsteps as a prophet. 
The healing anointing that has come and gone, you went in and out of it, has come to abide. Oh, I missed one here. Here's one in 203. I skipped it. Let me find it. This was in Lima, Peru. You have refreshing in your hands, and you'll see teeth and jaw miracles and healings. They've had a lot of people healed of teeth something, gum stuff, the bones back here, the clicking, and the, I don't know, they call it TMJ or something, and all kinds of, even had a lady, her teeth grew out and filled in. You know, this stray hand guy that's on Good Morning America has got the, you know, one paid for it, and her teeth closed in on her. I'm not starting a dental firm or nothing. <laughs> 2011, this was from Pastor Nancy. I was preaching at her church. I was just out there preaching last week or so. She, this was 2011. You've come into another place in the spirit, in revelation, in seeing and knowing, and in the prophet's office. So she recognized that too. And then this last one, I've got a lot of other things I could say, but I'm trying to hone it down. Uh, Dr. Dufresne, who was my spiritual father for 20 years, this was in 2013. He went home two months after this. This was in August. He went home in October. He said to me, he called me up and said, another part of the puzzle, one part, something's missing. Then he laid hands on me and said, it's not missing anymore. So I assume from that, I think I'm logistical. I can say that whatever I was supposed to receive from Dr. Dufresne got imparted. So that I had everything, not everything I needed, everything I needed from him. He was my mentor. All right, let's go over to 1 Corinthians here, chapter 2. You, you learn what I'm saying? I read those to you just to get an idea of what God has said to me over the years through either him or Pastor Nancy. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to read verses five, 4 and 5. Let me find something here first before I get any further talking about the healing anointing and want to talk a little bit about the prophet's anointing with it. But 1 Corinthians 2, verse, uh, verse 4 and 5, I may have said 3. No, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5. And my speech, and this is Paul writing us, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Well, That's pretty bold, pretty bold talking because he's saying, I didn't come with man's ideas of how this ought to be doing. I'm trying to follow God. I'm reading that into that. And then when I do speak, there's a demonstration of the Spirit and the power. <laughs> I remember I had a lady in my church, her and her husband, they were in their 40s, got married late in life. They thought 35 or 40, I don't know trying to have a baby, and they couldn't. They went to doctors. He went to a male doctor. She went to a female. And they came. They made an appointment with me, came in the office, said, we want our own baby, but we've both been to doctors, and they said it's never going to happen. He's messed up. I'm messed up. I said, well, you could adopt. I, she, she said, yeah, but we just told you we want our own baby. I said, well, if you want your own, you can have it. You can believe for it. I'll lay hands on you. Laid hands on their head, prayed for them. They continued to try. Still nothing in three or four months. I had a Sunday service, and I, I think, I don't remember, I think it was the word depression. If you're depressed, get up here. I think she, she and other people lined up. She was way over on this side of the, the uh, sanctuary. She had her hands up like that, and I started down there with her. I touched her in the forehead just like that, just a little tap. And a second later, <laughs> she's back here by him, 15 feet away from me like this. I never saw her move her feet. The whole congregation was looking. I never saw her go, I never, it was like she was on a revenge. The wind hit me and the wind blew her back. There was a wind in there and she all of a sudden is 15 feet away. Now that's kind of amazing. You know, somebody trying, in that, that amount of time, you, you would think they'd get stumbled up on their feet or something. She's still standing there 15 feet away and all of a sudden I had a vision. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, uh, Patty, her name was Patty. I said, there's an angel, he, he's fixing something down there. He, did, he was standing on this side of her, and he just reached his hand down in that area. I couldn't see what he did, but I knew he was fixing something. And they conceived the next month. Their son, their son should be, you know, I, they don't go to my church anymore, but I'd say he's been 20 or maybe even 23 or 24 now. Yeah. See, and angels can help us. So I'm talking about the word demonstration. I went to a church in Cookville, Kentucky, no, Cookville, Tennessee, I'm sorry. And 
the, man, the boy came, the young man, he's about 23 or 4 now, he was about 20-something, and he had a breakout of tumors on his rear end. He told me this after the fact. I don't even know. I prayed for him, never saw him before. I mean, I saw him, but just he's not in that church that I'm preaching at. He's from a guest minister in that city, and they, he came. Somebody must have told him I had a healing anointing. He had these tumors on the back of his rear end, a lot of them. And he said when he was in high school, I'm going to tell you the story. It sounds terrible to say it, but I'm going to tell you it. And they filled up with blood and pus, and they would break, and stuff would go in his underwear and everything, and it would smell terrible. You know, the corruption's always terrible. And he said, I was so embarrassed, Dr. Jacobs, as a high school, junior high, I mean, junior and senior in high school, that's when that happened. And he said, I asked the doctor, I went to him, he said, well, I'm going to have to cut them out at the root. It's the only thing I could do. So he had surgery for all that. Now he's got a new batch. It's two or three years after he graduated. He hears about me. He's not even in the church I'm preaching at, but he's in that church where I'm preaching. He gets to the prayer line, and I just touch him. I don't remember saying anything to him. And I found out the next morning he woke up, everything was gone. You know, they had a new batch and brought all their cousins. And he said, the doctor told me, I'm going to have to surgically remove them, you know, because you're not getting any relief. But I just touched him. And see, he had faith to receive. Somebody told him about me. I don't know what they said. I think they would probably said something about healing since he had a physical problem. But he said, I'm going to be healed when Dr. Jacob lays hands on me. That's what he told me. And he said, you know, I didn't feel anything when you first touched me. But, man, I went to sleep, got up, I woke up next morning, and everything's gone. It's, I'm good. Yeah. See, I'm talking about demonstrations right now for a minute. Hanging on that. I could go on and on and on, but this, this is part of it. Uh, demonstrations of the Spirit and the power. Now, see, you can't understand that with your brain. I don't even I don't even know how the blood flows through my body, just to be honest. I know they draw it out every once in a while and send it to a lab because that's, I go to a lady that checks me that way to figure out what I need or don't need. How many follow me? So I don't even know how the blood flows through my body. But how would a touch from one guy to another guy's head take care of his rear end when all I did was touch him? That anointing went in him got to those, whatever they were, tumors, and just dried them all out. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one, this is kind of funny about Tawanta. I may have told that before. If you've heard it, just act like you think it's great. I had a black brother over in uh, Louisville. We were good friends then, and uh, we're, we're not close to each other anymore. I don't, I'm, you know, we just grew apart. No, nothing to, nothing strife or nothing, but we just grew apart. And we would go to his church. I'd take my church over there and preach. And then he'd come to my church. He'd preach at my church. And so uh, anyway, we're having a meeting over at his church. I had a word about depression. I think that was depression too. And it, the altar filled up, his people and my people. And I got to this lady right over kind of about right here from the prayer line there to there. And her name's Tawanta. She sounds like she ought to be an Indian. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I'm trying to have a little fun with you. You look so serious. But she's a white girl, lady. And her husband's a Marine. He just got back from Afghanistan fighting the war. And so anyway, when I get to her, I'm going to pray for her. You know, I'm going to pray for depression. And the Lord said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. And I'm thinking, if I hit her in the stomach, it doesn't work. The Marine's going to beat me up in the parking lot. You know, God. He's about 6'2". Anyway, so you'd been proud of me. I prayed a really good pastoral prayer over her, touched her head. <laughs> Father, I pray. I mean, it was sweet prayer. And she said, you know, she had her hands up. She's facing me. She, in a second, she starts back to her seat. And down here, the Lord said, are you going to obey me or not? I don't think anybody heard it, but boy, I heard it clear. And he was ticked that I didn't do what he said. I said, Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> Now, you ladies, don't be afraid. I'm batting a thousand. <laughs> Tell you what happened. Hang on. Hang on a minute. I had another lady that came to me to prayer line. She had on a coat, not like mine, but a lady would wear a coat. She went, do you have anything for that? And it looked like you'd cut a grapefruit in two, and it was a lump, a big tumor on her side. It was about, about that big and about that raised up off her side right here. And I looked at it, and I just went like that and hit her, and the thing just disappeared under my fist. She said, my God, where'd it go? I said, don't try to look for it. Let me help you. Don't try to look for it. What's wrong with you, lady? Quit that. 
Stay in faith with me. You have to help some people think right. You know, you just have to help them. But don't quit looking for it. It's gone. It's swallowed up of life. But anyway, so I'm back to Tawana. You can see God's got something special. And I'm just so thankful she lifted her hands up and closed her eyes. Man, I let her have it for before she, bam! And when, when I did that, she just fell out. But all of a sudden, this spirit came out of her chest like that. It was a bird-looking creature. She said, your Bible, they're called birds. Devils are called birds sometimes. And it had a demonic head on it. <laughs> it came out like that, kind of oozing out. I don't know how to say that. And then he flew, flew up through that wall over there and left. So I'm thinking I'm sure that was the spirit of depression because I've seen that in other people that I prayed for. But so she's out. I just go back, finish ministering. At the end of the service, she comes up to me and said, I said, did they tell you I hit you? Well, they said you did, but I didn't feel it. I just felt the anointing go over me. And, th and then I said, well, she said, something else happened. I said, really, tell me what happened. Well, I felt like something came out of my chest, and she went like this. I said, yeah, I saw it come out as a, de as a demon that was depressing you, spirit of depression. We flew through that wall, it's gone. You know. I sometimes work with people, you know, when they're telling me stuff to make sure they're telling me what they think, and it's right, so anyway. So now let's read this other verse here. I'm just talking about, I was talking about demonstrations. That's why I went this way a little bit to talk to you. I don't slug everybody. And the only two women I've ever slugged, my wife said, my mother said, never hit a woman. So other than those two times when God said to hit her, hit that woman and hit the other one in the belly. And both times it worked. So I'm batting a thousand, right? So, so don't be afraid to come up here, ladies. Okay, okay, and then it says in verse 5, let me read verse 4 again, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. See, he says not only what I'm preaching, but what I'm talking about isn't just flippant words that don't have any meaning, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand, talking to you today from me to you too, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, I'm trying to get us up to where we're thinking right. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to fly across the room 15 feet away. I, I mean, those are things that happen over a period of time. Been in this 45 years. I've had a lot of different unusual manifestations. But you have to have faith in the power of God when you come. Not You don't have faith in me. You have faith in the anointing in my life. That's Because I'm magnifying my ministry. I'm magnifying what God put in me to help you. That's what I'm talking about. It's not me, Michael Jacob. I couldn't heal you, but I'm not alone. He's in here, and he gave me an anointing, an endowment to minister to people, and they begin to get well. I've got a lot of angels that work with me in this realm. I haven't got time to talk about all that right now because it would take too long. But I wanted to talk to you about this healing anointing a minute. And uh, hang on, let's turn to Acts 10. I'm going to read a verse over there and then read some more about this healing anointing that I, I wrote about a while back. Acts 10 and 38, and uh, just hold, hold Pat there, and I'm going to read you something. You could, you could be healed by faith in the Word, but that's not the only way to receive. You could just take the Word and begin to believe it yourself. You believe you receive when you pray, and you have it. But, I, you know, there's a lady I was shopping at Dillard's. Uh, I don't know if that was yesterday or the day before. And she said, you know, I got, and I know her. I know her. I, know, I don't know her real well, but I know her name. But anyway... She saw me, and she said, you know, I got a pain in my leg. I said, well, you know I'm a preacher? Well, I thought you were. I said, let me pray for you. I took her hand, and I prayed for her. And I said, and then she talked to me a little. I said, you have to believe you receive when I pray. You have to, that's your key thing, to believe you receive when I pray for you. What I'm saying will come to pass in your life. If you believe that, it'll work. How long you had that? Two years. I said, okay, and you take any medicine for it? Yeah. Does it help? Nope. I said, well, then you're not losing anything by letting me pray for you. I didn't lay hands on her and say, everybody listen, here's shopping. I'm going to pray for this lady. <laughs> I don't do stuff like that. But I'm not embarrassed either. There was some old guy looking for underwear over there, and he already heard the whole thing. I didn't care. <laughs> All right. So let me read this, and then I'll get read this verse. But you could receive from the healing anointing too, or also. Sometimes people criticize what they don't understand. Sometimes people try to talk you out of things they don't understand. The anointing in my life is tangible, which means normally it can be felt, 
And you and I must respond to the anointing for the anointing to work. You have to respond to it. You know, the lady was bowed over, you know, in Luke 13, she had a spirit of infirmity or sickness. And he said, lady, come here. So she had to walk up to him like this, I guess. I've seen a lady just like that in a nursing home one time. She never straightened up. God never told me to pray for her. You know, their Church of Christ where this was at. <laughs> you have to do some plowing there, baby. We have the right to be healed. We have the right to expect. And I'll have faith to release the anointing in my life, and you have faith to receive it if you, if you need help today. Or you might just need refreshing. Remember I told you Dr. Frank said I had refreshing in my hand. So you can come just be refreshed. But I'm going to read this verse here in uh, Acts 10.38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, this is so effective scripture because it mentions the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost all in one passage. And he says, who went about doing good and healing all. Healing all. He went about doing good and healing. Healing is good. Healing is not bad. I mean, you listen to some people on TV or the radio, they act like, well, that's the devil. That's They're, they're cult people. They're in a cult. They're in a cult. I'm not in a cult. I'm in the Bible. What's the matter with you? Why don't you get in there with me? But they've been taught that healing was, was passed away. But how do you pass away healing if there's still a Holy Ghost that can anoint you? We we're reading here, just like Jesus was anointed. And I've heard people say, well, Jesus was here, I'd get it. You wouldn't if you won't take it from me. You wouldn't receive it from him. Dr. Frank says, if you tell the congregation Jesus will be in this camp meeting on Tuesday night, a lot of people wouldn't come. They don't believe you, first of all. It's how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God has to do the anointing. You can't anoint yourself. I don't know what it is with humans. We always want what we don't have. You got straight hair, you want curly hair. You got curly hair, you want straight hair. If you're black, you want white. If you're white, you want black. I don't know what's the matter with people. Why don't you, can't you just be happy with who you are? <laughs> what a novel idea. Be happy with who you are said to how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So the devil's the oppressor. God's a deliverer from sickness, disease, and demons too. For God was with him. Here it says in the Amplified, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power how he went about doing good and in particular curing all those who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil for God was with him. The devil's the oppressor. Jesus is the liberator. That should settle a lot of theology for people. And it's just so important. In, in this interest, Jesus had to be anointed. And you think, well, he was just all that in a bag of chips. Well, he was, but he came as a man through the womb of a woman which is the only legal entrance you get into this planet, coming through a woman's womb. I'm not being vulgar, I'm just talking. But you have to do that to be a legitimate human being here. You know anybody didn't do that since here? No, you don't. Everybody came through that womb of a woman, it's called having babies. And then that person grows up and becomes a male or female, you know what I mean, and they're born with whatever parts they have. Let me just throw that in on you. I went to a restroom the other day, and it said unisex, and I thought, oh, my God, I hope I don't open this door, and there's some lady sitting there. I didn't know what that meant. And what the, somebody told me, it was at Starbucks, liberal people. What's wrong with people? I don't care if you're a little conservative. There's probably something wrong with you. Anyway, I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm like, not making fun, but I am kind of making fun of the way people think. But they told me when I got, came back, they said, well, that's just what they do anymore, so you, if you're male or female, you can go in there. Anyway, uh, let me move on here. So let's talk about this, the prophet anointing here. Uh, let's talk about misconceptions people have relative to the prophet's office. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know who you listened to or who you heard it from, or maybe you've never heard anything about a prophet. But, you know, for prophets to pass away, Ephesians 4 says, we're going to have to have them until the body is perfected or mature. So if you throw me away, you're never going to get there. 
So you throw away the apostle, you're never going to get it. The pastor's more critical, I think, of the five. He, he and she, it's a male or female, or in this case, you got a couple. But that's so critical to the average sheep because you need to be fed, you need to be trained, you need to repent, you need to be encouraged, you need to get corrected, you need to be, uh, in, you know, trained up into different things that you hear taught that'll feed your faith and cause you to mature. That's what we're talking about. But you throw away the apostles and prophets and you're never going to get mature fully because we have things in us that the pastor doesn't have. And vice versa, he has things in him I don't have. Just talking to you here, trying to help you appreciate all the variants that God puts in the body. Many think that a prophet is supposed to do nothing but prophesy. Me, wrong answer. But the foremost ministry of the prophet is to preach or teach the word. That's what I do. I try to teach and teach to you. I've been here teaching. Uh, and then secondly, a prophet does more than prophesy. In fact, very often when he's going, giving forth the revelation of the moment, he's not prophesying at all. He's just telling what was revealed to him. A lot, of, a lot of times now when I'm preaching, I get things come to me by sudden inspiration when I'm talking. Then I may talk about this, and I may talk about that, and I may get over here and talk about that, and I don't know. I mean, it's just being led by the Spirit. As a prophet, he will quicken different things or sometimes give me a verse I don't have written down. Take him over there and talk about this, and then I know something about it, but he'll give me a whole lot more. All right. It says a prophet does more than have revelations. People get into error who think I'm called to be a prophet. And might they might be, but they're always trying to have a revelation or always trying to prophesy. You ever been around somebody like that? Oh, my God. This one guy was introduced to me. I don't know what he said he was, but he was a nut. We tried to eat uh, lunch together. There's ten preachers. He tried to prophesy to all of us, and none of it was right. I know he, what he said to me. He could have said, twinkle, twinkle, little star. It, it didn't make sense. Listen, God is not confused. Humanity's confused. God is not confused. The problem is you live more out of your brain than you should. You need to live out of your spirit. The brain is good for stoplights and hot stoves. You don't touch them. And you stop when it's red. You go when it's green. Things like that. Practical things. Arithmetic, that helps your brain. But I'm talking about living a life of faith. You're going to have to live out of your spirit. There's a lot I know down here I don't even understand. I don't even know it in my head yet. Sometimes I said something and I, what did I just say? Somebody write that down. I need to repeat that. And it'd be profound. Because I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost sometimes. You know what I mean? And I sense it. I said, what did I say? <laughs> Write that down for me. Pastor Alvin, give it to me after service. <laughs> All right. But some people are pushing, just always pushing into something. They think they're going to be more important because they're that. Actually, you're going to be more severely judged <laughs> if you're going to be any of the fivefold, other than a sheep. You know, you're, you're a sheep. It's nice to be a sheep. But some of us are called to do things beyond that. It takes extra faith. It takes more. You have a different destiny than the average person. You know, how would, how would you like it if you had a job and God told you to quit it and do this? That's what he said to me. Quit pastoring, give it to your son, and start traveling. Okay, well, then I take off. And now the board in our church helps me. They gave me some money to retire on somewhat. You know, each they pay me a little bit each week, and I appreciate that. I didn't ask for it. But it's not enough to do the traveling I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I should say that. I'm just let that ride for a minute. Okay, I'm just talking to you here. Before anything else, a prophet would be a preacher or teacher of the word. Uh, and then he says, this is Brother Hagin's material on this back here of this one sheet. He said, and I got duct tape on it to show you. I've used it a lot. It started falling apart. I didn't have any scotch tape, but I carry duct tape. <laughs> uh, I, I'm like this. If prayer and duct tape can't fix it, maybe it can't be fixed. <laughs> the laying on of hands goes with the prophet's ministry, and that's true of me, the laying on the hands. And God dealt with me. I think I've told that here before three different times over a period of a year and a half or two years. And he was, first time he said, Michael, quit Quit drawing back. I told you, you got to get your hands on people. In your kind of anointing, you have to get your hands on people to transmit it to them. Even if they don't feel it, that anointing will go in them. If you release it, and it'll go in them, unless they're fighting against it, it'll come in, and men will start correcting things in their body. Are you listening to me? <laughs> and then I'd go along for six months and lay hands on a lot of people, and then I'd draw back, and I wouldn't do it for a while. Bad boy, bad boy, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? <laughs> 
And Jesus came for me and he said, Michael, I told you about that once. This is the second time I'm dealing with you about this. Get your hands on people. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. Yes, sir, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't paying attention. Forgive me. But I knew he was ticked. So I went ahead and got back into laying the hands on people. And then after about 10 months, I drew back again. And I don't know how long it had been, maybe a month or maybe two. He said, Michael, I told you two times now, and this is the last time I'm going to do it. He was ticked about it. You think God gets ticked? He gets ticked when we're disobedient. Because he told me two years before, keep, keep laying hands on people. You're going to see more results. There's anointing is getting stronger in your life. He told me a lot of things I haven't got time to tell you all. But he was saying about laying your hands on people. So this is the third time, and he is really hot, man. He said, I don't know what I'm going to have to do to you, son. I don't want to ever have to. And while you're in the earth, if I, I, you better not give back on this again. I'm talking to you now, and I'm irritated about it because I told you, I gave you anointing. It's in your hands, not your feet, not your ear. It's in your hands, and you've got to put your hands on people if you want the results. So I said, and I started crying because he was really, he was just disappointed in me because I had disappointed him. That's why I was upset. And he said, I don't want to have to ever come back to you and tell you this one more time. That's, this is it. Third time, three times and you're out. So listen, I'm going to continue to anoint you, but you have to work with me. So then he, then Brother Hagin says, besides laying on a hand goes with the prophet's ministry. A healing ministry goes along with the prophet's ministry. A healing anointing ministry goes along with the prophet's anointing. It's just interesting, isn't it? Now, hang on. I've got another scripture here or two. Let's look at, let's look at 2 Kings. Okay, let's, let's first go to Romans 1, then we'll go to 2 Kings. Romans chapter 1. I wrote a book on it. It's on my table called Impartations, Divine Rescues. I think it's a strong book. It's a good book. It really talks more about Dr. Dufresne and me, how we, our relationship went. And I put not every prophecy, but a lot of them in that book only because the Lord said to me, I thought we were done with the book, the lady that's helped, that helped me with that book, very good writer, very good helper to me. Of course, I pay her. And she, uh, I said to her, I called her and said, Michelle, I just feel like I've, there's something else that needs to go in this book. So don't start printing it. Let me pray a little bit, and I'll call you back. Maybe not today, but maybe in a week. And I prayed, and the Lord said, I want you to put some of the prophecies in that book at the end of every chapter scatter them through the whole book and teach people what you're talking about because there's where your impartations came to you mainly through doctor laying hands on you pastor nancy too to, to some level but mainly doctor and so i did that and that's a good book talking about the impartations here i know why i got off on that i'm going to talk about it right here and then we've got two more scriptures i'm doing good it's three till twelve i've been preaching about 41 minutes they're they're about and 16 seconds, no, I don't know. <laughs> Verse 11 and 12 of Romans 1. For I long to see you, this is the basis of my book on impartations, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Or we could say resulting in you being established. So sometimes, you know, this is my heart to come here like with Pastor Randy and Misty. I love you all too. Don't misunderstand what I've said today to you. I love you and appreciate you coming out to hear this message. I know it will help you if you receive it. It help you be more better with your pastor, but today more better with me, you know, because I'm teaching this. And he says, that, that is, that I may be comforted together with you. Now watch this, by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So I'm talking about a healing impartation where I administer to you. You have to have mutual faith. That means I have faith to release it, and you have faith to take it. Now, there is something I'd like to add to that, and I'm going to read one more scripture and then minister. A lot of times I've been in churches, and people are just so upset and screaming almost, praying in tongues, top of their lungs. And this is the thing. You, can't, you, you cannot eat a peanut butter sandwich and talk clearly to me without water or something. You're going to choke yourself trying to talk with the peanut butter stuck in your... Okay, we're going to have to give them the hemlock, Heimlich, whatever you call it. <laughs> But see, that's because you're giving out and taking in at the same time. So what I'm asking you to do when you get in the prayer line, when I get to you, if you'll just be silent a little bit and say, I'm going to receive what Dr. Jacobs gives me through the Holy Ghost. I'm going to receive what the Holy Ghost gives me. You can say it that way. And that will help you be a good receiver, not talk all the way through it. I was in a Mexican church, spirit-filled church that had 56 pastors there. 
I was praying for all the preachers one night in Mexico City. I don't know if you were with me, Pastor Randy. And these pastor's wives down here, there was a couple of them. One of them was just boo-hooing. I mean, snot running down her face and her eyes was crying. I said, give this girl some Kleenex. And then I told the interpreter, tell her to be quiet. Tell her, tell her to be quiet, would you? Well, he told her in a baby way. I, tell her to be quiet or I'm going to deal with it. Killed her again. She ramped into the second gear. And I just grabbed her by the shoulders and I said, shut up! I got her attention. She don't know what shut up means probably, but I said, listen, interpret this for me. I can't minister to you while you're screaming. You're screaming and you're, you're putting out all this. I know you're hurt and I'm not making fun of that. You can cry all you want after I pray for you. What if I had a word to give you and I have to bend over to your ear and practically scream in your ear for you to hear what I'm giving? That, that shouldn't be that way. I'm not making fun of you because you're emotional. Because the whole crowd left me right then when I shook her and said, shut up. I said, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you be a good receiver. You can't put out and take in at the same time. It's impossible. We can't, as human, even, even dogs know that. Dog's not barking while he's chewing his food. You ever notice that? Okay. Mutual faith. So I have faith to release. You have faith to release. Now let's go back. 2 Kings chapter 13. This is the last verse. I think we had a pretty good time today. And we're not even done. And we won't take long. We don't take long to do things. We just get people ready to uh, 2 Kings 13. And uh, I'm going to read this verse or verses here. Uh, chapter 20 and 21. Now this is a, a prophet here. This is uh, Elisha. Verse 20, and he's a prophet, and Elisha died, and they buried him. Remember, it was Elijah, and then Elisha, and Elijah trained Elisha. And what my study said, they, they were together about 20 years, 18 to 20 is what I've been able to discern. It says, Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. This is their opponents, uh, <laughs> the uh, Moabites are people against Israel. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, they had a dead man they were going to bury. Behold, they spied a band of men. That's the Moabites are coming. They're going to have to conflict or run. And they cast the man into the sepulcher or the tomb of Elisha, the prophet. He's been dead now. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he's been there a while. He always got left is his bones. No flesh, no clothes, his bones. He revived and stood up on his feet. Now think about that. There's a dead man raising a dead man. Like somebody said, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that to you. I'm just talking. But the dead man raising a dead man. But now this prophet was dead to the point his, his, all his flesh had run off his body and he just had bones there and a the dead man hit, he got up and ran with the other guys. What would you think? They, Whoa! <laughs> My point is I'm a living prophet. I got blood flowing through me right now. Wonder what could do with that. So I want you to stand up with me, please. And thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org/mjm.